Welcome. My name is Bethany Smith, and I'm a member of the Masters of Counseling cohort at Acadia University. Throughout this podcast today, you'll be listening to different theories that I feel I may integrate into my practice in the future. I would like to begin by acknowledging that we are in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. This territory is covered by the treaties of peace and friendship. I also acknowledge that people of African ancestry have been in Nova Scotia for over 400 years. When learning about different theoretical approaches to counseling, the ones that resonated with me the most are the ones that I foresee myself being able to integrate into the classroom as a school counselor, as a form of preventative counseling and being able to strengthen our students and for them to see the beauties and uniqueness that lies within themselves. Multicultural counseling is built on the understanding that cultures, communities, and diversity shapes our belief systems and our thought patterns and how we interact with the world and the people around us. As future counselors, and specifically as future counselors in the school system, it is crucial that we take the time to understand and broaden our understanding of multiple cultures and communities. The diversity of our country and also of our school systems make them beautiful places to be a part of every single day. But in saying that, it's also our job to make sure that we make every single person feel comfortable, welcomed, and safe when they walk into our doors. It is our jobs as counselors to educate ourselves as much as possible before our students come through the doors. And then as we get to know the students around us, it's our job to continue that growing and continue that knowledge learning. Many of the theories that we'll be covering in this podcast originated hundreds of years ago. And as we know, the world has changed tremendously in those hundreds of years but also the world is going to continue to change. And so we cannot stand on the knowledge that we have at this very moment. We must continue to learn and to grow and to build our knowledge that we can be the best counselors and support for the students that we will encounter for the rest of our lives. Multicultural counseling recognizes the differences that exist. And instead of using one form of practice to support students and to support help seekers, it uses various different approaches. It acknowledges the fact that some cultures benefit from having more of a community engaged approach and from having others' opinions being part of that help seeking process, but also acknowledges that sometimes it might be difficult for some people in different communities, family dynamics, cultures, for them to be able to be the person who is the help seeker, being the expert in their own lives. Every community, family, culture is different. And even within cultures and within communities, there are differences depending on the family, the structure you grew up in, the household you were in, and even if you were a sibling within the same household. Multicultural counseling recognizes all of those aspects and takes that into consideration when a help seeker is coming for support. Multicultural counseling is really a great representation of walking with your help seeker. That is another way that you're able to educate yourself about the help seeker, being with them and not trying to be the expert about their lives, but instead letting them be the experts about their own. 
counselor is using a multicultural lens and counseling also recognize that their own culture has generated in them a belief system and making sure that when they are stepping into the therapeutic role, that they are checking their biases and their understandings and making sure that they are listening to the help seeker in front of them and not putting their own belief systems onto others. Because those belief systems may not resonate or be acknowledged or be acceptable in the help seekers culture and community. Specifically, when supporting Indigenous peoples using a multicultural counseling approach, it's important to collaborate and consult with elders. Many elders in Indigenous peoples' communities are held in an extremely high regard, and their thought and input and understanding is incredibly valued. As well as being open to aspects of spirituality being incorporated into sessions. It is important for counselors to also realize that there are power imbalances between the counselor and the client. And these power imbalances can be even more felt in a diverse setting. There can be an imbalance because of cultural differences, because of diversity, and these are the things that need to be understood and also need to be recognized when entering this profession. Using the relational cultural theory, it's important to approach all of the different dynamics that you'll encounter as a counselor with your help seeker with mutual apathy, making sure that you're being supportive of your help seeker and making sure that you also are recognizing that there could be imbalances with power between you and the help seeker that perhaps you weren't noticing, but that the help seeker is noticing and just being aware and cognizant of that. Collaboration is something that should be done in all counseling approaches. However, I think it's very important, especially using a multicultural counseling lens, to utilize the supports that are available to you. And if you don't know that there's someone that's available to you, to outsource someone. Consulting and collaborating are aspects that I believe I will use no matter what therapeutic approach I'm using. However, I think it's incredibly important, especially in a multicultural counseling approach, to use collaboration to support your help seekers. Within multicultural counseling, critical race theory examines that we need to acknowledge that there are privileges embedded into some cultures and that those need to be recognized and acknowledged. This theory recognizes that systemic racism and imbalances of power affect how a counseling and a help seeker relationship establishes and how that relationship is built or not built. And so it's important to address that these differences, imbalances, and biases exist when we approach any counseling situation. There are many different pieces from different theorists that I will incorporate into my future counseling practice. One specific theory is the cognitive behavioral theory. In this theory, the counselor works with the client in order to create a set of maladaptive behaviors that they would like to work on. This theory is interesting because it focuses primarily on what is happening in the present for the client and doesn't focus on past histories from the client's life. 
The premise of this theory is to help a client identify their maladaptive or undesirable behavior and then to find an alternative behavior that they can use to ease the anxieties or feelings towards this behavior that they find undesirable. The counselor works with the client to discover which feelings or behaviors are maladaptive. Throughout the process of discussions, the therapist and the client work together to find alternate ways to lessen the feelings the client has for these undesirable behaviors. Together, the client and the therapist set out an agenda of what they would like to discuss in the sessions. They ask a series of questions and come up with all of the things that are pressing for the client and conversations that they would like to have perhaps in the first interviews or in the future sessions. When the list of concerns is created with the client, the counselor then will go through the list and see which maladaptive behaviors maybe go best together and which ones they could discuss in each session. These conversations about what's going to happen in each session and which behaviors are going to be addressed are always discussed with the client to see if that is an okay process to proceed with and okay conversations to be dealt with at that moment. Something that I really like about this approach is that it seems very collaborative with the client. Uh, I personally would like to be a counselor that has my client be a part of the process. It shouldn't be that the, the client is coming to the counselor to specifically look simply for them to tell them an answer. I want to be able to work through things with my client and with the students that are in front of me. I often find as a teacher that when I'm having conversations with students who are coming to me with concerns, that oftentimes they want to have a free-flowing conversation about the situation and not necessarily that they want it to be solved right away or that it can be solved right away, but something that they want to have a back and forth conversation with to get their feelings out on the table. Something else I like about CBT is that it's helping the client to address the behavior and the feeling that they're having. It's helping the client find ways to sit with that feeling and to address it when the feeling comes up because that feeling is probably going to happen in another situation. And so it's helping the client to find another behavior and a way to address the anxieties and the symptoms that are happening when certain problems arise and elicit those feelings in themselves. This is something that I think is going to be very important in my life as a school counselor. Students are surrounded by so many different classmates each day. These classmates all have the potential to evoke different feelings in people. And if a student has previously worked with myself and found ways to overcome or to um, reduce their anxieties and anxious feelings, there might be something else that arises just because they are around so many people during the day and different behaviors are happening around them. If they are learning skills that they can use to overcome and to sit with and move through these behaviors and these feelings, I think that's really important for students to learn especially where the students that we're working with are so young. There's so much more of their life to be lived and for students to have the ability to learn how to 
um, work through and reduce the symptoms that their anxiety is producing, if they can learn those skills at a young age, they can continue to use these practices for the rest of their lives. And even though the maladaptive behavior might change, the approach of how they target those symptoms and those anxious feelings, they could continue to use those. I think this is also an important approach because students might just be learning how to deal with their feelings for the first time. These could be the first times that they're having these emotions come up and we can be the people that are teaching them and helping them figure out how to deal with those emotions properly and how to deal with their anxieties. And that's something that can set them on such an important and great trajectory for the rest of their schooling and the rest of their lives. If they can learn at any age, and especially in elementary schools, an elementary counselor, of how to deal uh, with their anxieties and ways to work through them. Next up, person-centered therapy. This form of therapy focuses around the belief that the help seeker is the expert in their own lives. This therapy also relies heavily on the therapist and the health seeker maintaining a really strong relationship. Next up, person-centered therapy, founded by Carl Rogers. This form of therapy focuses around the belief that the help seeker is the expert in their own lives. This therapy also relies heavily on the therapist and the help seeker maintaining a strong relationship. Rogers believed that self-actualization and striving towards more and greatness was the ultimate goal, as well as the need for both positive regard and for self-regard. The need for positive regard is that the individual needs to feel praise and love from sources other than themselves. Then the need for self-regard is that the individual themselves feels themselves in a positive light and regards themselves positively. However, the need for positive regard and the need for self-regard can sometimes conflict with each other. This occurs when the need for self-regard is differing from the positive regard received from others. Roger's person-centered approach to therapy really focuses around the relationship that the therapist has with the help seeker. The larger and deeper that connection grows, the more that the help seeker feels open and connected with the therapist, and the more they feel comfortable to express and to engage in the therapeutic process. It is important in this form of therapy for the therapist to hold an unconditional positive regard for the help seeker. This in turn creates a genuine connection between the therapist and the help seeker. An important piece to note about the person-centered approach is that a genuine relationship is, is extremely important in this therapy. When a relationship has been established and the connection of genuineness is felt between the therapist and the help seeker, at that point, there is the opportunity to have both positive and negative feelings and conversations that are happening in the sessions. This is something that cannot happen without a true relationship being established and connection between the therapist and the help seeker. 
It provides a situation of safeness and comfortability where these conversations can take place without somebody feeling attacked or that they're being viewed as negative because that relationship is already established. What I personally like about this approach, especially because my counseling will be happening in a school setting, is the idea of that connection and relationship between the therapist and the help seeker. We as teachers understand the importance of relationship building and know that once that relationship happens, that's when a great connection establishes and that's when you know you can help move children forward, that they'll come and reach out to you when they need support. And so I feel like this is a great approach to have when counseling, especially in school systems, because we know that building the relationship first is really the key to everything. Once that genuine connection and relationship is established, the therapist continues to help the help seeker by walking within the help seeker's story. The therapist places themselves in the situations that the help seeker is discussing and kind of turning the language in a third person situation so that the help seeker can see outside of themselves the situation that's happening and come to a realization about what they're noticing in on their own time. The therapist walks within the help seeker to then help walk with them to come to some sort of resolution that they feel as the help seeker is what they are needing. The person-centered therapeutic approach focuses on being empathetic, unconditional positive regard for the help seeker, and building relationships to help foster the ability to walk within with the help seeker. This form of a therapeutic approach, I feel, has great aspects to be culturally uh, considerate when working with our help seekers, especially with our students in school systems. This is because this therapeutic approach relies heavily on the fact that the help seeker is the expert in their own lives and the therapists are not there to force the help seeker to change themselves in any specific way. Because the therapist or counselor is there to help and listen to the help seeker, it allows for many different diverse cultures and diverse communities to be accepted with this person-centered approach and to feel comfortable with it. Because they're able to be the experts in their own lives, the background knowledge, and the lived experiences they are coming with is such an important part of this person-centered approach. We're listening to the help seeker and listening to their experience that they've had without passing judgment and without trying to change the person that they are. I think this is something that's very important, especially when we are working in such diverse communities and in such diverse schools, that we're not there to change this person. We are there to be able to listen, to walk with them, to listen to what is happening, and for them to perhaps see things from other perspectives, but that ultimately our help seekers are the experts in their lives. And we as the therapists need to be very cognizant of that. 
in reminding ourselves that the help seeker is the expert, it gives us the ability to also be able to learn along while we're listening to our help seeker. They are the expert. They are bringing to us their lived experiences, their community, their culture. And so that is allowing for the therapist and counselor for us to do a lot of the learning as well and a lot of the listening. And I think that in itself is creating an open space for diversity in our sessions. I think it is also important to be mindful when using this form of therapy that because we are relying on the fact that the help seeker is the expert in their own lives, that might not be the case for all help seekers that they feel like they are the expert in their own lives. And so we need to be very cognizant and uh, walk with care with our help seeker because depending on the factors that have brought them um, to uh, the session or just how their lived experiences have happened, they may not believe that they are the person who holds all of the information and the expertise of their own lives. Um, also, some cultures very much so rely on a community effort to um, live their lives and to uh, formulate answers. And so a person might not feel like they are the sole expert of their own lives because they are so reliant um, on their community and because that is such an important aspect of their lives that being sitting in a session and having them be the person who is regarded as the expert might be something difficult for them to be able to understand or for them to be able to do. It might not be an approach that is something uh, that feels comfortable with that person. I think it's always important to be cognizant of that, that although this approach, uh, any approach may seem great from the beginning, that it might not always be fitting with every one of the help seekers that comes into our doors. Choice theory and reality therapy surround the notion that choices are consciously made based around an individual's five basic needs, which are survival, love and belonging, power or inner control, freedom and fun. Choice theorists believe that the only person's behavior that we can control is our own. Reality therapy suggests that our behaviors are our choices and we have the ability to change them. Reality therapists aid their help seekers in asking and realizing what their ideal worlds would look like and then making the steps towards maintaining that world. Their questioning and therapeutic process roughly follows as such. What is your ideal world? What steps are you taking to achieve that ideal world? Are those steps working or should we make a new plan? This is done in collaboration with their therapist. The therapist and help seeker relationship is built on support, encouragement, listening, acceptance, trust, respect, and negotiation. What I like about this therapeutic approach is that it helps the help seeker to make a plan that they feel comfortable with. We as the counselors are there with the help seeker, but they are deciding what works best for them. I think that aspects of this approach in a school setting could benefit students when making life decisions outside of school and in their futures. Culturally, there are some language barriers to this therapeutic approach. In some languages, there are not direct translations for some of the main features of this form of therapy, such as the word plan or accountability. 
Thus, this approach should be looked at with a multicultural lens when applying it with help seekers. As addressed earlier, this form of therapy functions under the belief that the help seeker is responsible for their own behaviors. However, historically, gender power roles have an immense effect on person's behaviors, and this cannot be overlooked when attempting this form of therapy. Constructive therapy focuses on the help seeker focusing on finding a solution to their struggles rather than focusing on the problem itself. Constructivism is rooted in the belief that the help seeker constructs their own reality based on either their own perceptual experiences or jointly held social agreements. Page 284 of John's text. Within constructive therapy, there are two approaches that are used. The solutions-based approach, which focuses on the help seeker's strengths, and the narrative approach, which focuses on the help seeker getting rid of their unhelpful thoughts about themselves and about their anxieties and separating them from those thoughts. Both the solutions-based and narrative approach emphasizes the importance of language use. When conversing with the help seeker, the counselor uses the help seeker's language. In using language, you are able to reframe how the help seeker is feeling or what they are saying to see their thoughts from a different perspective, which should be encouraging them to see their strengths. When a client is speaking negatively towards themselves, the counselor helps in reimagining their story by posing it in a positive light while highlighting their strengths. A session following a solutions-based approach will typically begin with a pre-treatment question posed to the help seeker about how their strengths have brought them to counseling, and then providing a scaling system to see where they are based on that scale. The scale will be used throughout the session to gauge how the help seeker is feeling and if improvements in their feelings have been made. During their sessions, the counselor will also ask the help seeker questions to initiate forward thinking about what their future post-sessions would look like, or by asking the help seeker how they will know that they have resolved their problem and found a solution. The goal of the solution-based approach is to help guide the help seeker to find a solution to their problems based on their strengths and to reframe their way of viewing their problems using these strengths and optimistic and positive outlooks. The narrative approach focuses on the help seeker expressing their anxieties, thoughts, and problems as separate from themselves. They are separate from their thoughts, and much like the solutions-based approach, they are the experts in their own lives. In the narrative approach, the goal is for the counselor to walk with the help seeker to support them in reframing their beliefs and stories and to help them see their narrative from different perspectives. The narrative approach focuses on a growth mindset and reframing situations in a more constructive view for the help seeker. Using this approach helps the help seeker to see their strengths through sparkly and positive moments and allows them to flip their feelings into more positive outlooks. The constructive therapy approach resonates with me because of its roots surrounding the belief that the help seeker is the expert in their own lives. Regardless of the age of the help seeker that you're working with, they all have their own lived experiences, perspectives, and understanding of their own lives. I appreciate how the constructive therapy approach really speaks to that and allowing the help seeker to really be the lead and then allowing you as the counselor to walk alongside them to guide their thinking.
I also think that it's important for us, especially because we're in a school setting, to really highlight students' strengths. Sometimes our students don't believe that they have strengths or just don't understand that some of the things that they have always had their whole lives are really strengths and can be used to help support them, especially in times when they are feeling negative or having big emotions. I think this is so important for us to be able to highlight for our students, especially starting at such a young age, because highlighting those strengths and having them truly believe in themselves and the strengths that they behold is something that they can learn and carry with them forever. Although my counseling philosophy has many years to develop and will continue to change throughout my entire career, Something that I know that I will implement into my practice is an integrative approach. I think that this is something that's important for many therapists to incorporate into their practice. Integrating many different areas and many different theories to best support the help seekers that are coming to you. An aspect of integrated therapies that I personally resonate with is the idea of the acceptance and commitment therapy known as ACT. Much like the previously discussed cognitive behavioral theory, in this theory of ACT, it helps the help seeker figure out the behaviors that they want to address and the behaviors that are causing them anxiety or stress. Unlike cognitive behavioral theory, it doesn't help to eradicate these behaviors, but instead it helps for the help seeker to identify these feelings and to learn how to live with and sit with the feelings without them overwhelming them completely. In this theory, the counselor aids the help seeker to connect with their core values and then help the help seeker focus on those values and how to return to them while understanding their emotions are valid and a normal part of their being. The goal is to have the help seeker not be overcome by their emotions, but instead to focus on those core values and how to accept their natural feelings that all humans possess. An integrative therapy approach is something that I foresee myself using in the future. It's so important to use different aspects when working with people because you never know who is going to be coming to you to seek help. In a school setting, we know that we have students coming to us from different families, backgrounds, cultures, and different communities. That's why I feel it's important for my practice to incorporate and integrate many different theoretical and approaches to my counseling philosophy. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. I look forward to seeing in the future when I reflect on this podcast, how my counseling philosophy has changed or stayed the same, what pieces I'm integrating into my practice and what pieces I've decided that maybe are not the best fit for me. But for now, I truly believe that my future holds a very multicultural lens, a lens that focuses on the student being the person who is the expert in their own lives, on the students being able to communicate with their emotions and know that it's okay to feel the way that they're feeling. And for me, as the counselor, to be able to integrate lots of different aspects of counseling and different theories to best support every student. (laughs) 